Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss and beyond. Remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So be sure to seek medical support from a qualified health professional. Hey friends, you're listening to episode 62, How Jen Lost 145 Pounds. Before we get started, I just want to ask you one thing. Have you found anything from this podcast that has helped you in your health or your life? If so, I am asking you to pay it forward to somebody else whom you think would benefit. Message, tag, screenshot, share it on your stories, forward my weekly email to them. I want to help as many people as possible, and I can't do that without your help. Thank you for your time, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right. I'm so happy that I get to share this interview with you today. This was an interview recorded inside one of our Monday night workshops in Best Weight a few weeks ago. You'll hear Teddy, uh, our head coach, and she is interviewing Jen, a longtime client of ours who has lost 145 pounds over the past two and a half years. It is such a powerful interview. And it inspired so many of the women inside Best Weight that I asked Jen if I could share this publicly for all of you as well, and she graciously agreed. Now, for those of you who listen and think that Jen must just be special somehow, she's a unicorn, it's possible for her but not for you, here's what I want to let you know. That is not true. Number one, Jen really struggled at the beginning. She was very stuck in diet mentality when we first started working together. She had several decades, decades of dieting and restricting and binging behind her, and it was very hard for her to break out of that. In fact, she shares in the interview that she basically did not make any progress for the first eight months until she started coming to terms with the fact that losing weight was not about finding the right meal plan. Two and a half years later, her life is completely changed. She is thriving. She is happy. She is living her best life. In Jen's words, she was literally eating herself to death. And now she's thriving. I'm so proud of her. I know you'll be inspired also. And as you're listening, I encourage you to pay attention to the tools and the skills that Jen used. You'll notice this is not about finding the right combination of macros. It was about developing self-compassion, consistency, and resilience. Now, do not use this interview to make yourself feel bad about your progress or disqualify yourself. Instead, use it as inspiration, because if it is possible for Jen, it is absolutely possible for you too. Enjoy. And for those of you who are just popping on, I'll just reintroduce you. So Jennifer is one of her past clients. She was with us for over two years, and she's just had success. Yes. With the scale, but so much far beyond that in terms of shifting her, her mindset around food, her relationship with her body and her journey. And she's going to be sharing all about her journey with us tonight. And we're just so honored and lucky to have you, Jennifer. So I'd love for you to just take the floor. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am very happy to give back to this program because I really feel as though this program saved my life. I told Dr. High that several times. So I'll give you just sort of a brief history. When I was in the program before, I really found that I got a lot or I, I connected a lot with other people's history because we've a lot of us have lived sort of the same life. So I have 
had been overweight for as long as I can remember. Earliest memories of myself, I was overweight. Came from a family that did not have a lot of money, so we would often run out of groceries before the week was out. So even as a young child, I remember sort of it was feast or famine. I was either had a lot of food and we would eat it all or we would have nothing and there would be some time where that was really a big focus. So even at that age, I had some disorder around food. And first diet that I remember, I was about 10. Family doctor put me on a diet. And I just thought, this is craziness. I don't even have food some days. And you want me to not eat on the days that there is food there? There's no way. So not shockingly, those early attempts were, were not really successful. Leading into you know quite a bit of disorder in the teen years where I would be doing things like hiding food, uh, going through multiple drive throughs because I would be embarrassed about the amount of food that I was buying at one, just some really not ideal behaviors. So as this was going on, I ended up putting on over 150 pounds. So at my highest, that I know of, I was over 300. I stopped weighing myself at 311, but I know I did get higher than that. And it got to the point where it was right, it was so out of control. I was so happy to go to sleep at night because that was literally the only time I was not eating. So if I was awake, I was eating. And it progressed from over the years to, to that point. So just before I started before I came to this program, over 300 pounds, compulsively eating basically in all the hours that I was awake. I had tried every commercial diet basically from the 90s to 2020. I made a list once at the beginning of the program. And if I could only have all the money back that I spent on all of those diets over pretty much 30 years, quite crazy. I was successful at each of those plans for a very short period of time. So I would go in, I was all in, about a month, I would lose some weight, something would happen, I would deviate from the plan, and then I was out. And I would gain all the weight back with some interest. So do that over a couple of decades, and that was one of the main contributors to putting on that type of weight. I am like 5'2", <laughs> putting on 150 pounds at 5'2", well, putting on 150 pounds truly at any height is, is significant, but I had put on that much weight, and one of the big reasons um, was going through that, that cycle of doing a month of perfection, and then six months of, you know, I, I didn't um, go off the wagon. I used to joke that I would go off the wagon, blow the wagon up, set it on fire, run away from the wagon. Like there was just, there was no in between. I was either perfect or dumpster fire. So over a couple of decades, that really resulted in quite a significant weight gain. So when I was coming to this program, about six months before I found the program, I had started a ketogenic low-carb diet and I had some success with that. And I started to look for some support because I wasn't really sure if I was getting all the nutrition that I needed to be getting, and I knew I had a really long way to go, and I really couldn't find a doctor or nutritionist that would support low-carb. I tried many, and they kept saying, well, just add some, 
add some bread to that or a little bit of rice or a little bit of pasta. I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> For me, that, that's not a great advice. So I found this program actually through Facebook. And someone was saying that they helped, they helped with that type of eating. So I'm like, great, I will sign up. Signed up, paid for the whole year. And early days, I <laughs> remember going to my first meeting and I was like, Where, where's the food plan? And they're like, it's not about the food. I could not get over that for a really, really long time. Really, really long. This is part of the story. I kept asking for it. I just, it was always about the food for me. And they kept saying, Jen, it's not about the food. I'm like, okay, but what, what macros? Like how many calories? How much do I have to exercise? And I don't know how many ways I asked that, but it was really long. So, you know, my background is physical science. I've never put a lot of weight into psychiatry, psychology. To me, that field was sort of woo-woo pseudoscience, and I thought nothing of it. So for this program to be telling me it's not about the food, it's about mindset, we're going we're gonna to readjust your mindset. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Six months <laughs> took me. Took me six months to get out of my own way, and for the first six months, I was kind of attending. I didn't do any of the homework. I showed up, but I wasn't really listening. I'm like, well, I paid, so I might as well come. This is just another one to add to that list of 59 diets that I've had. They haven't even given me a food plan yet. It's like month three. <laughs> Where's the food plan? And luckily, I kept going to class, and one day. Just something clicked with me. It's just one little thing. They were talking about black or white thinking. And the topic was about how you don't have to wait until Monday or after the holidays or January once you've fallen off the wagon. You can be doing one thing at 4 o'clock. You can be doing another thing at 4.01. Just that little thing. I don't know, like a giant cartoon light bulb went off over my head. And I'm like, I could be doing another thing at 401. I don't need to wait till January, which was pretty much my MO. I would fall off the wagon and be like, Christmas is coming up. It's like August. <laughs> I have to get through Halloween and then Christmas. And then I have a birthday. But then there's, you know, thanks. Uh, there's all these holidays and I'll, I'll just wait 50 pounds later. So that little thing just, I don't know, it resonated with me. And I started to think, hmm, okay. Uh, maybe I'll pay attention. Maybe I'll just try this one thing and see if I can try the four o'clock, 401 technique. And I would fall off the way again a couple times a day. And I'd be like, okay, almost, you know, 1201. <laughs> I'm going to do something different, 1201. And just doing that one thing, I started to have a tiny bit of success. So I thought, hmm, if I was wrong about that, maybe they're program has something to tell me maybe I should pay attention so I came back in I think now this would be about month seven almost over the full year and hadn't listened for, for six months and so I started to listen started to come to class I started to do the homework I started to have a little bit more success a little bit more success and it took me the full year to fully get out of my own way to fully come to grips with the fact that I had been running the wrong race for 30 years. That, that was really hard for me to really grasp that I had been fighting in the wrong fight. I had never been about the food. It never been about how much I exercised or exactly how many calories I ate. It was totally this other race that I needed to be running in. 
And that honestly took me a year. So at the end of that year, hadn't gained any weight. Hadn't lost a huge amount of weight. I well, I I mean I had lost quite a bit of weight, but not the dramatic ups and downs. It was like a slow, steady decrease. And that was the first time ever that I had not gained weight within a calendar year. So it was mind blowing. So I'm like, okay, I missed, I missed this year. <laughs> I need to start over again. So I signed up again. I'm like, okay, this year I'm gonna come. I'm gonna be all in. I'm gonna do the work, even if I don't agree or don't think that it's correct I'm just gonna leave space that I could be wrong even though the whole last year showed me that I was wrong about this I still struggled with each thing and had more success for another year so at the end of the second year of the program I had I was down just over a hundred pounds continued on my own for the next year another 50 pounds so it really was quite a long, like that now we're going through several years of the program, just starting to try to look at my notes here for a sec of what I thought was important. A couple of the key things that going through the program, I found the sort of giant light bulb moments for me. One was really coming to terms with the fact that I had a food addiction. That for me was extraordinarily difficult. I don't drink, I don't smoke. I've never done drugs. For me to sort of have that associated with myself was very, very difficult. But once I left space for that to be a possibility, it opened up a few doors. So it opened up the door of perhaps it is a medical problem that needs medication. Perhaps I need a little bit of ongoing support. Maybe moderation in certain things is not for me. Because if I was an alcoholic, I wouldn't just have some wine or some vodka. If I was an abstaining alcoholic, I, I wouldn't think of it in moral terms. So food for me was always wrapped up in a whole bunch of other things. And my inability to be successful at this really became sort of a moral, a moral failing for me. But once I accepted that perhaps this is where I'm at, I was able to do some, some more of these things. Another big thing for me was how I spoke to myself. So in the program, one of the exercises were sort of pay attention to that running track in your mind. And I've never given it any thought. So I started to pay attention. I was absolutely horrified at how I spoke to myself. I would never speak to another human being the way that I spoke to myself. I basically had a self-hate soundtrack to my life all the time. And one of the things that they said was, speak to yourself the way you would speak to your children. The way I spoke to myself was like, I wouldn't speak to that, that way to an enemy, never mind my babies. So that was a huge mindset shift over two years of trying to even just get to neutral. So one of the exercises was you know, say something about your body. So of course I, I have a, you can imagine all the words that I would put in their body to get to myself to, I have a body, just a body took a really long time. And I had to say it so many times and not feel it until one day I'm like, yeah, I do have a body. I made it to neutral. (laughs) So, but it took so long and it took up a huge amount of mental real estate. Like I would meet with Dr. High and I kept telling her, I spend so much time in my day, like thinking about these things. 
but it is like turning around a cruise ship. It is, I've been doing going one way for 30 years. I really ingrained those neural pathways and seriously all day, every day I had this negative soundtrack and to change that around took an equal and opposite amount of effort. So year two, this is what I did. I a huge amount of time doing this, looking at my note, doing all of these, I'll share with you some of the things that I did, but it was a massive amount of mental effort. <laughs> Another big thing was reframing activity. So I had always, always, always used exercise as a punishment, 100%. I would basically flog myself with exercise. I ate this, imagine the negative self-track going on, get, get out to exercise. Because I did this, I must do that. And you can imagine how little I would want to exercise. So it was a punishment and the negative self-track was going on at the same time during all of exercise. No wonder I didn't want to do it. It was this horrible thing. And also being 300 plus pounds, it's not super pleasant to, to, to move around. So I worked to every day reframe that piece. So just little, like the little things became so important. So instead of, oh my God, I have to exercise have to do it. I'm going to punish myself for this. I would write in my calendar, you get to move. I would just schedule even like 15 minutes and I got to do it. And I would walk around the block and I would say to myself, I get to do this. I get to, I have a body. I get to do this. I have a body. And, you know, start start saying all the little things and just get myself around the block and not have it be horrible. So even to get that to neutral took a long time. For over two years, the difference now is I want to do those things. I never wanted to do it. I could never say in 30 years that I look forward to any form of physical activity. But after two years of every day working, working, working to reframe that, like I actually do get the opportunity to go outside. Like, oh my gosh, I have body that moves around. I have legs that I can use. I can, I can kind of jog a little bit now. Like. All of those things started to add up. Early years, I would describe my situation as this sort of like horrible negative snowball effect. So I would eat for comfort. I would eat for boredom. I would eat for whatever. And then I would be sad that I was eating so much. So I would eat some more. And then I would get bigger. And I would be sad about that. And then I couldn't move around because I was bigger. And then I would get bigger. And it became this snowball of, you know, compounding negative effects. What I can tell you is that the opposite is also true. So I started to have this positive snowball, positive effects. So I was getting healthier and happier. And instead of this horrible body, I had a body (laughs) and finally moved to, I have a great body. That was huge for me to be able to say any, even a positive, one positive word about your body sort of sounds sad now to me, but I mean, if you could have heard what the soundtrack was before, it was just like seismic shift. I look forward to it, exercise, because I look forward to exercise and movement. I do it all the time because I'm not really interested in those, the foods that had addicted me before. I make better choices and I just have this positive snowball. So over the year that I wasn't, I was out of the program, I continued to lose weight and had, um, actually don't weigh myself very often. Um, I try to use other methods because 
one of the things that I would do in the past would be weigh myself obsessively. So I rarely weigh myself. I'll bring the scale out now and then. Be pleasantly surprised, but it has nothing to do with, it's not a moral value. It has nothing to do with how my day is going to be. I just now and then maybe once a month get on there. I try to use other things. I took up sport. So one of my one of the ways I judge it is how am I moving around the tennis court? I started to do yoga. How am I doing with that? What size pants am I in? <laughs> I've literally been every size, every single size. I maxed out at the plus size store, their maximum size. And that size is very voluminous if you've ever been in like a 24 plus to I am size like eight, 10 now. I cried when I went into a size eight. <laughs> that was like one of the best. I'm like, oh my God. I know it's pretty, that's kind of shallow, but it was super exciting for me. I had 20 plus years where I had two stores that I could shop in. I was limited, like that was only stores that sold that size. And now I can shop at the mall. That was mind blowing to me, being able to go to all these different stores. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> so amazing. However, being every single size that exists, I shop at Value Village <laughs> because I, I change sizes so much. Everything changes, even your shoe size, which is bizarre. So I had gone down almost two full shoe sizes. Who knew that was even a thing? I guess as you get heavier, <laughs> sort of spread out. But I've had to replace everything. So I, that's where I shop now. I can go to the mall, but I shop at Value Village. because it is, it is a lot, a little bit off track there. But um, hold on, just let me check and see if I got, oh. I wanted to tell you some of the things that were really key for me. So I started this thing every day called the daily agreement card. Started that really early on, a little card, something like an actual card. And I would write out the night before what my agreement with myself was going to be for the next day. I had certain things that I would add in every day. I called those my guardrails. So um, just things that really kept me on track. And they were simple, obtainable things that I could do every day, but it would be like drink this amount of water, take my medication, you know, move around, something obtainable. It's not like I'm going to run a marathon, literally just going to walk around the block, walked around the block for a year (laughs) was my exercise and a couple things like that. And I would write it out the night before. And that was my agreement throughout the day. I would check it off and then I would um, just, it just... It was an agreement with myself and it was part of keeping promises to myself and it was obtainable. So I was almost always able to do it. And it just really was a confidence booster because over those years of really pushing yourself down. That was one of the things that was really lacking. So I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. So those little daily agreement mm-hmm. cards kept me on track and helped me do all of the things that I needed to do each day. What else do I have here? Oh, action plans. I had several action plans. I had one for what would I do if I fell off the wagon? What would I do if I was tempted to not do something on my plan? And what was I going to do every day? Because I found that if I was in the middle of it, it was really hard for me to formulate a plan. So I actually had it written down. I I pulled out my notes, (laughs) my original action plans of what I was going to do. So I would have my little book and I'm like, okay. Fell off the wagon, still have some time till 1201 or 401. What am I going to do? And I would read through it and I would like try to do it. And 
you know, this, that seems very simplistic, but it really helped me. So for me, and everyone is not the case, certain foods really hijack my brain. I feel like my brain has been hijacked and taken over. (laughs) Do not make good choices while I'm on the drug of these type of foods. Not everyone has that same thing, but for me, I don't function well. I don't have a lot of higher cognitive thought happening if I'm in a bowl of M&Ms. So I had to go and look at my action plan and I would do it and wait till the one, the, the next hour hit the one and I'm like, okay, that's it. That goes away. Here's my action plan. And I had one for 10, like if I'm just thinking about going off the wagon, I would try to do those things. And just that preparation, 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 preparation really helped laying out, putting out my uh, running shoes at the end of the bed the next morning, little tiny thing, put them on my feet when I started, significantly more likely to go out around the block. Little tiny things that add up, you don't notice them, but that snowball at the beginning is so tiny, it's like the little, it's putting the running shoes out, writing the daily agreement card doing all of those little things. And then when you look back at the year, you have this giant snowball that's positive and you've lost 150 pounds. So it it really was a huge, it it sounds like I say it, it's easy to say it. It was a massive amount of work. I was full in that program year two and I worked on it every single day, every single day. I spent a lot of time thinking about it throughout the day and did something, at least one thing every day, whether it be doing a reading, listening to a podcast, writing out my daily agreement cards. I had to touch it every single day. But what I can tell you is the amount of mental real estate that I put into it now is significantly different because of the mindset, because I'm not fighting with myself the whole time. So year one and year two, I was in this fight. And I was in this fight against myself. So it was a constant, constant. I was exhausted all the time. I would call that kind of like, so tired. Because I was fighting myself the entire time. Now I don't have to do that piece. And it is like 10,000 pounds lifted off you. In fact, when I was actually making some notes for this, I had the thought, if I had to have the choice of getting back my 300-pound body or getting back my mind that was what it was that time, I would pick the 300-pound body. That's how horrible that mindset was to me. So, And that was the huge amount of work. The, the physical part for me was significantly easier than the mental piece. The physical part, there's no way I could exercise for 18 hours a day, but I was having to battle my mental piece for the awake time of the day, significantly more effort. So the beauty of this program is that's what it focuses on. It gives you those tools to fight that fight because it doesn't really matter how many calories you have. It really doesn't. didn't matter for me. What mattered for me was all of those other things, the thought model, the black or white thinking, the positive self-talk, all of that, that's what made the difference. And I can tell you from experience, all other diets, (laughs) all, none of them stuck more than a couple of weeks. And I'm on several years now. 
to the point where last year I had lost so much weight. I actually had some skin removal surgery and that made another big difference. Just not having that bulk there. I was able to do more things. Didn't even realize things that were in your way, like just reaching over and <laughs> to tie your shoes, things like that, or moving around, just a different world. So I did do that. That was a big step for me because I was kind of terrified of it, but it just got to the point where that became something really important. And I had done that. And then my next scale victory was things like, I can wear a bathing suit. I can wear a bathing suit outside of my backyard. <laughs> that would be the only place I would have ever worn one. So that was a big thing. So all of those things, the little tiny things added up and became some big things. So non, non-scale victories, truly every single part of my life is better. I sleep better. My skin is better. I'm happier. I'm nicer. <laughs> I'm nicer to myself and I'm nicer to other people. The tools that I learned, I use them on my kids. Some of the CBT and DBT type stuff I will use. And I've actually heard them use that language with their friends. So it is like that little, you know, stone in a pond and the ripple. So I've heard them tell their friends, you just need to deep breathe. Let me deep breathe with you. Four, three, two, one, or or some of the things. Oh my gosh, they listened. (laughs) So the energy, the activities, the things that I can do that I don't need to think about anymore. I could go on a plane without needing a seatbelt extender. That was super exciting. I can go places and I don't have to pre-think about Am I going to fit in that chair? Am I going to fit in whatever? Just take such a burden, such a burden lifted in so many, so many ways. The physical burden, the mental and emotional burden is lifted. So truly, it took me, like I said, the first good part of that first year to get over myself and get over that it wasn't about the food. And it's truly not about the physical. It is much more about everything else. And oh. Just this weekend, I went indoor skydiving, something I would never, ever, ever do because you put on a very tight suit and they weigh you two horrifying things to a 300 pound person. (laughs) And actually they wouldn't, they had a 300 pound cutoff. And I was thinking, "Hmm, I wouldn't have been able to do this a couple of years ago. So I did that and just being able to do things that are fun and obviously I'm not going to do that all the time, but you know. I would, it wasn't, my weight wasn't a consideration when I was thinking about going to do that, where before it would be all I could think about and I wouldn't have had a good time because all the thoughts that have been going on around there. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for all those like nuggets of wisdom. I think the most, the most important thing that stood out to me, like you mentioned, is this journey, if, even if you did lose the weight, but you still had that mental food chatter or mental converse, that conversation around your experience, it wouldn't really mean that much because you wouldn't really have generated just that, like you said, just thriving in your life and having all that, I'm sure all that mental space now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's super infactful. And before I get to the comments, because I'm seeing the comments, I just want to open it up to all of you ladies. I see everyone's taking notes and this is such an amazing opportunity for any questions that are coming up because we really have someone in the room that's done so much of the mindset work. And this is a really good opportunity to pick Jennifer's brain. So I'd love for anyone to just unmute if anything's coming up. This is a really safe space. So just 
feel free to unmute. And Elise, I'd love to hear from you. The huge shift in mindset was that I had to prioritize myself first, which I had not done in at least 20 years. That was really hard. I had young kids. I work. To schedule my own stuff first was not at all what I used to do. I would literally clean toilets before I would walk around the block. Like literally any, the worst task in your house you can think of. I'd be like, well, the toilet hasn't been clean in a couple of days. Probably should do that first. Oh, out of time. Can't go for a walk. But when I put myself first, and actually Dr. Hyde gave a great analogy, probably an analogy people have heard before, but like the oxygen mask in the plane. Plane loses cabin pressure. You put on your own oxygen mask first and then you can put on theirs. And sort of that understanding that if I don't have anything left to give, I'm really not that great for them anyway. And when I have this horrible negative soundtrack going on in my mind and I'm super unhealthy, what am I contributing? Not a huge amount. So now, totally different. I like the idea that I'm, I don't shove this down my kids' throats, but they see that the choices, they see me living this lifestyle and, um, you know, behaviors are caught, not taught. So I try to show them and emulate that. So that's how I was able to justify it to myself. I, but I really had to schedule myself first. So even today, I will, in my work calendar, schedule my movement. First thing I do for my work week, I schedule in each of my, I still put in a walk. I put in when I do other things, like I do yoga and I do tennis, and that goes in my schedule first. And work goes around me because if I don't do that, I am, I'm not there as an employee as good as I could be if I was doing those things. Easy to say, but you got to put yourself first, schedule yourself first. Maybe you even need to schedule in time to think about it. Like it could even get to be like 15 minutes here, I'm going to think about it. 15 minutes here, I'm going to think about it. And then the following week, maybe it's 15 minutes here and walk here. But if you don't do that first, 100% other things will overwhelm. And just the daily grind will overwhelm you. And before you know it, a couple of weeks have gone by and you haven't done anything. Oh, that's such great insight. It reminds me of one of Sasha's TikToks she made, actually, where she said, you know, the mundane can wait. The mundane tasks, yes, maybe that toilet isn't as clean now or <laughs> that closet is a little bit messy, but that can wait. The walk or the, the benefits of the movement or whatever that looks like, that can't wait. Yeah. So that's super powerful. Yeah. I love it. Uh, any other questions that are coming up? Oh my goodness. I have a list of questions. So you ladies should have at least three questions each. <laughs> yeah. Just feel free to unmute. Two very, two separate, like the public one, I'll talk about in a sec, but um, I think because like I was really, really unwell at over 300 pounds. Like I am not joking that I was, I wouldn't have survived much longer I was literally eating at all times so I think those that were really close to me were really worried so the it, it wasn't um the cosmetic it was I'm dying and if I don't do something radical I'll be dead I'll have two little kids that I've left because I ate myself to death and couldn't stop so the the big like the big shift was very supportive 
I didn't know, I didn't notice any sort of criticism until I started to do things like intermittent fast. And then I would hear a little bit of chirping. But by that time, by the time I was able to intermittent fast, which let me tell you, would be unthinkable to someone that literally eat while their eyes are open, to miss one meal would be completely unacceptable at 300 pounds to, you know, I've experimented with different levels of fasting of just, you know, playing around because I can, because I actually have the ability now to do that. But I did um, have some negative comments about intermittent fasting, fasting, but the two years of mindset work doesn't bother me. It would absolutely have bothered me at 300 pounds when the only thing that I ever said to myself were negative, horrible things. I'd have been like, you're right. I shouldn't do that. I second guess myself and be like, yes, I should probably go back to Weight Watchers (laughs) or do all of the the things. And now I'm like, one of us has lost 150 pounds. One of us is not. I'm going to stick with my name. So I just, the confidence change night and day, hundred percent. And now I'm just able to hear it and be fine. But interestingly in the public, I went through a long time, like 20 years. And when you're that size, you're really invisible, like weird. It was so weird when people started to look at me, make eye contact with me, freaked me out because People hadn't really made eye contact with me like random people in a long time. And it was it was jarring at the beginning. But when you're that size, people don't like you don't exist to them for reasons unknown. They won't look, they look through you. How people start to make eye contact in public took a while. But now I'm like, hey. (laughs) So so it's totally different. Like the minds, this is back to the mindset work so critical and when you're looking through it through that totally different lens 300 pound Jen would give you a totally opposite answer to what I give you now so yeah but I can handle the criticism because it doesn't bother me anymore totally the public treats me differently but now it's kind of fun just so many more people to say hello to or (laughs) interact with I, I love it, Monica. That's such an important topic about you know how to deal with the conversations with with others around weight loss, and you know sometimes, as Monica was talking into, there is there could be some some negative lashback for whatever so reason, or you know relatives asking us, so like, what diet are you following? And that conversation can sometimes be very interesting to manage. Yeah, I think if I left everything till the end of the day, even even today probably all that wouldn't get done. So the daily agreement cards the night before tend to make better choices, thinking about it for tomorrow and make it doable. So not, I didn't start with 14 things on my daily agreement card. Maybe it was just drink water, walk around the block, two things. I would do that first in my day. Like I am first. It's okay to be first. That was hard for me, especially with kids. They would always be first. But I had to switch that. I had to because for me, I was dying. (laughs) So there was no other option at that point. And then you build upon those successes. But if even today, if I, I would be hard pressed 
to like right now go out and do a workout after being up since five o'clock in the morning probably wouldn't happen. But if I put those shoes at the end of the bed, I have my, I don't actually write out daily agreement cards anymore. I did for two solid years. I have piles and piles of them, but I would write out the daily agreement cards, prep myself for the next day, do those key things in the morning. I meal prepped. I I wrote out a menu, really spent the time prepping because in the moment, I still can make not amazing choices if I haven't thought about it in advance. So little steps, even if you do one or two things and then build upon those, because once you do two steps and two steps will eventually become not amount, a lot of work, mental or physical, then add one more step. Mm. And then at the end of a couple months, you'll have your own little snowball. <laughs> uh, and uh, what uh, Jennifer, you just spoke into, it's just that power of consistency. It doesn't have to be big, right? It's that diet mentality of like, it ha- you know, I have to go full out on this. I, if I can't do a five-minute walk, I have to do a 30-minute walk. So really taking on that power of consistency. And I'm seeing a lot of questions about food, even though we started this talk, that it's not about the food, of course, we're curious. What does Jennifer eat in a day? <laughs> so I'm getting a lot of questions, go to food. Did you do a lot of meal planning? And Stephanie said, does eating well or on plan become natural? So I guess people are just curious about your food philosophy. Right. Yeah. I mean, huge, huge, huge shift eating three types of fast food at once. And, you know, just like, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say I was, if I was awake, I was eating. So I would eat all the things. I would eat like a loaf of bread. (laughs) loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter and I would eat the entire thing and then go eat some other things that was the starting point so from I mean I didn't immediately start eating the way I eat now so it was a gradual process so I went from like the entire loaf of bread to half the loaf of bread I did make graduate you know small changes a couple of the big jumps that were really helpful for me is when I moved to a lower carb diet not amazing for everyone. It was amazing for me. Some people do well in different versions of of diet. But for me, that helped quiet some of the food chatter. And the less sugar that I eat, the less food chatter that I have. Actually, starting medications, Extenda also, I fought that for a really long time. That hugely quieted food chatter for me and really took food out of the forefront of my thoughts. I remember telling Dr. High when I started that medication, like I haven't thought about eating for like four hours. This is miraculous. And for me now, four hours would be nothing. But then that was unthinkable to not think about food for that amount of time. I'm not answering your question. So so it, it was definitely a work in progress. So now I tend to do some version of intermittent fasting, a different version every day. And I actually sort of cycle that throughout my cycle. So if I am, you know, in certain parts of my cycle, I'll eat more and other parts of my cycle, I'll eat less. There's some a book called The Betty Body and Dr. Stephanie Estima does a podcast called Better with Dr. Stephanie Estima. She really goes into the science of that uh, 
cycling what you eat, but I rarely will eat breakfast. And so I just have two things to focus on. For me, this is less food chatter. If I just have two really big meals, but I eat two fantastically big, wonderful meals that I look forward to and I don't eat all around the clock. And for me, that much time saved. I can't imagine the time and money that I put into eating at all times. So because I don't eat breakfast, sometimes I have a giant breakfast for lunch, like eggs and bacon and avocado and carb reduced bread and eggs and berries, like big, probably six or 700 calories if I was to track it, because you still have to get your calories in if you're, I know food doesn't matter, but you also don't want to get malnourished. And for dinner, sometimes I'll have a giant salad. Sounds exciting, but it has bacon and chicken and hemp hearts and avocado and eggs and all the things and super awesome fat dressing because I predominantly try to eat more fat and protein. But it doesn't mean that I can't eat other things. I just plan for it. So I always will plan eating things that generally don't look like that. So if I know I'm doing something over on Saturday, the way I control it is I'll just be mindful that that's happening. We'll still have that, but I will tighten up the rest of the week. And that has helped me not get back onto the wheel, the hamster wheel of um, being out of control. So I, everyone's in a different place. Not everyone here was, you know, totally, totally binging until <laughs> I would eat so much my jaw would be so sorry I'd be laying in bed massaging my jaw because literally I ate for 18 hours not everyone is starting at that place but you know to for me that control I still I still need to do it I don't need to think about it as much it's not the burden the mental burden it is but there still needs to be some guardrails for me yeah that's super powerful and so well worded and it's just it just reminds me of the power of getting enough protein, getting enough healthy fats and, and the balance piece of nothing is restricted. It's just that you get to balance that piece out. So that's incredible. Mm-hmm. I love that, Jennifer. I'll just give you two, two things I thought of. Two little things that helped me. Carbonated water for me was great. I love drinking carbonated water. In the early days, it really made me feel full as much as water can make someone feel full. <laughs> water did it for me. Seaweed, like this stuff from Costco, I don't know if you can see it. That's like a salty treat for me. I never found a good replacement for popcorn. There was no real good low-carb version of that, but something salty like that was a, a treat. Also, I always have really like 85 or 90% dark chocolate, and you don't need a lot of that. So... I dip it in my tea. <laughs> it gets all melty. I just have like two squares. And that for me is like really, really good. Yeah. I love those tips. I love that seaweed. It's so good. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's writing this down right now, putting that on their list. Right. Right. Ladies. I love it. Elise mentioned another question about, were you able to come off the Sixenda and maintain the benefits it gave you? I still am on Sixenda. I was at one time on Sixenda and Contraves when I finally gave in, gave in. I was against medication for a really long time. When I agreed to it, I'm like, all right, give, give me all the things. <laughs> all the things. And I really did need it at that time because like 
it was a massive, massive amount of weight, massive shift. I really needed all the support. And then I was able to come off the contrave. I'm still on Sixenda. I might switch to the weekly one. It really has just become part of my day. I do the odd time miss it and it's not an immediate result, but I have noticed if I don't consistently take it for a couple of days, I'll hear the chatter. So for me and the starting place that I was at, I have just come to think like maybe this is something that I take for a really long time and that's okay. It's one of the things that I might need. It's one of my, what I called my guardrails. So the the things that I just might need to do and and I'm okay with it, needing to do it. But not everyone, like I know several people that were able to come off it. I, I think I was just at a very different starting place. So it might take, my, my landing strip is probably a lot longer. Yeah, absolutely, Jennifer. And you just made a really good point about it really, it really does depend on the journey and it's just one tool in your toolbox that you have and that gets to support you. So that's incredible. Yes. Some of it was surgery. Like I said, I had a tummy tuck and lift. Loved that part. <laughs> Look better than I did when I was a teenager because that was skin. There was absolutely nothing exercise or diet could have done about that. I literally had another person inside my body. So it is actually amazing to me that a lot of, I think those were the only, that's what I needed done. I didn't need anything else done. Some people are at a different spot. I also do now work out quite a bit because I want to, because I like it, which is mind blowing to me from a person that would rather scrub a toilet than walk around the block. Now I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, if, if I miss going, and I, I'm not obsessed about it, but I go to the gym three times a week to do heavy weights with a friend. If I miss it, I'm like, oh, I missed it, where that would 100% not be the case. I play tennis. In the summer, I'm just act, I'm active. I'm active every day, but I think that for aesthetics, the heavy weight, like heavy as heavy as I can lift, were the best. I have abs. I have arm with little arm muscles. Even when I was a teenager, I, well, I mean, I always had abs. Were just covered. <laughs> I joke that I had abs, <laughs> but um, that the weights would be the best. So for me, the movement, just moving around, like going for a walk, which I try to do most days, even today, I, I'll walk around and say, movement is medicine. Like I get to do this. Movement is medicine. It's still a little soundtrack in my mind. That for me isn't working out. That for me is like just general metabolic health. I don't think of it as like a, a calorie sort of, you know, minusing calories off my day. That's just moving around. The gym, when I go to the gym and I don't go for very long, it's like 20 minutes, three times a week, lift really heavy weights. That aesthetically made the biggest difference. I love that, Jennifer. And I'm sure everyone's taking note of that as well. I feel like a lot of women, right, we're, we're afraid of, oh, if I lift heavy, then does that mean I, I bulk up? And I always like to remind my women, my clients that it's really hard to gain muscle. <laughs> so it is really beneficial to, you know, obviously if you can and, and what advised to you to, to do some weight training. So I, I think that's so fabulous. 
And I see we're on the hour. So Jennifer, I'd love to hear if you just had any just last minute thoughts you wanted to share with all the women here. I know this has been just from the comments. Everyone has just had so much impact from this call. So I'd love to just hear any last minute thoughts. I think that if the situation were reversed and one of you were speaking to me a couple of years ago, what I would want to hear is there is a path that is successful because I didn't know that that path existed because I had been on every single diet and every single one of them failed for 20 years. That's that's someone's, that's kind of a special amount of dedication to keep doing something for 20 years and having it fail you every single time. So if I had known that if I do this, I for sure in two years would end up with that type of success you bet I would have been all in at that point. So I think the only thing that I would have changed is I would have done it earlier. I would have loved to have done it a lot earlier, but even just in the context of this program, not wasting the first six months thinking, ah, oh, this, this, this is hippie-ish. This is not based in science. This, where's my meal plan? <laughs> so I would have started earlier. But truly, if you do the work and you leave space for these things to be right, and get out of your own way and little tiny things every day, just little, even if you just do one tiny little thing, it really truly does add up because you're not in it for a month, you're in it for life. So, you know, it doesn't really matter if you mess up a little bit because you're looking at decades, right? And just imagine the power of compounded interest over decades, the same with this. Jennifer, that is so powerful. I think that exact advice applies to all areas of life, not just in weight loss. And I'm sure all these ladies, like the comments are just going crazy. <laughs> I I see a lot of thank yous and, and really just uh, that this talk really gave some of our clients hope and direction. So thank you so much, Jennifer. We were so lucky to have you. And I'm going to be going back to this recording many times and seeing so much love in the comments. So oh, thank you so you. much. It was such an honor, honor to have you with us tonight. Thank you for helping save my life. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Jennifer. And, and I'm so Thanks happy all of you ladies joined. We will talk very soon. Bye, ladies. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the High on Life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple Podcasts.